everybody. We have been in a series on the book of Ephesians, as you all know, and this is the last, this is, we're finishing up the book of Ephesians today. So you guys can open your, your apps or your Bibles to Ephesians 6, um, and uh, we finished last week with the first few verses of Ephesians 6. We were talking about children and parents and workers and, and bosses, um, so we're going to start in verse 10 this morning, Ephesians 6:10, and we're going to look at the armor of God um, and some things on spiritual warfare. And I thought about asking Matthew to dress up in his uh, uniform, National Guard uniform today, and bring some of his weapons, but I thought maybe that was a little bit over the top. So just imagine it. Um, but we're going to start reading in verse 10, and Paul the Apostle wrote this letter as you guys know, to the church in Ephesians. And this is the end of the letter. So in, in verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. And for Paul to write the word finally means that he is speaking, what he's about to say, he's speaking it in light of everything else he said in the book. He said all these things to this le- in this letter to the Ephesians, and now he says, Finally. So we need to consider everything else that is said, what he's about to say, in light of everything else that he has said. So in light of all that Jesus has done for us, remember Ephesians 1, everything that Jesus has done for us, in light of that, in light of the standing that we have in God. Remember chapter 2 when Bob preached and he kept saying, where are you seated? You guys tell me, where are you seated? With Christ in heavenly places. In light of that, in light of God's great plan that he has made all of us a part of, in light of the unity and oneness that he's called us into as his church and that he wants to mature us into the image of Christ, in light of the way that he's called us to live in our conduct and in our relationship, in light of all those things that he has said earlier in this letter, in light of that, he says, you're going to need to be strong in the Lord. All these things that Paul has already told us in this letter they are true, and they are so because God has made them so. But as with anything in life, if we don't take a stand in it, and if we don't fight for it, then it might as well not be true for us. That's the truth with anything in God. And I just want to say to us this morning that we will not be able to be stable as believers. We will not be able to advance and grow in our walk with Jesus and in everything that God has planned for us, if we don't learn how to stand our ground, and if we don't learn how to fight. And we're going to look at what that means this morning. You know, we don't like the words fight. I think, you know, maybe in our culture, you know, that can have a negative connotation. And uh, we're going to look very clearly at what God means, because God is a God of peace, but there is a fight that we're called into. And we're going to look at what that is about. So let's read this whole passage here, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power, in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then 
with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows, arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So again, Paul says, be strong. There's a directive to be strong. And I want to encourage us this morning you're not going to do yourself or anybody else any favors if you're weak. Now, I know that Paul says in, to the Corinthian church, he says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. But I think sometimes we have this false humility as believers in our weakness. But our weakness is only for strength. Because but notice here he says, he doesn't just say when I'm weak, then God is strong. He said when I'm weak, then I am strong. But it is a strength, as we see here in, in, ch in chapter 6 of Ephesians, be strong in the Lord. But we don't do ourselves or anyone else any favors if we're just weak. If, if we put the period there, that I'm just weak. There's no virtue in that. And there's no ability to stand. And there's no ability to fight. And of course, we all have moments of weakness, and that's okay. And the body of Christ comes alongside us, and we encourage each other, and we lift one another up. But there needs to be this movement toward strength. So it's okay to have a moment of weakness, but we don't put the period there. We move toward strength. Before a soldier puts their armor on and is given weapons, they go to basic training. And if, as we've walked with Matthew this year through his basic training and watched that process in his life, they go to basic training so they can get strong, so they can build up strength and fitness. And it's all about their physical fitness, their physical strength, because if you put armor on and you have weapons, there's no good if there's no strength underneath that armor and those weapons. So the first thing that Paul addresses is be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, it says. So might, if you look up, if you study these words, might is a reserve of strength. Like if you see a, a strong body weight, body lifter, what do you call it, weight lifter? If you see a strong guy with big muscles, but he's sitting in a chair relaxing, he's not using that power when he's relaxing, but he has might. He has a reserve of might that can be called into action. And power is the use of that might. So God has called us to have a reserve of strength and might. And that strength is built up, just like in basic training, that's built up when we go through difficult things. I'm sure Matthew could tell us stories about the hard things they made him do in basic training that he didn't feel like doing, that he didn't want to do, that his body was screaming out, I can't do that. Well, it's the same in our spiritual lives. We will go through difficult things that we feel like we can't do. But as we trust in the Lord... We're building up strength spiritually. Just like if you go to the gym and you, put, you know, some weights you lift, some, some weights you push against. When we push against things in our lives and we don't just take it, but we push against it, we are building up spiritual strength and spiritual muscle that can then be called into power and use later. So how do we do that? I believe in our lives 
that looks like believing God. That when everything else around me says something else, I'm going to choose to believe what God says. That's building muscle. It looks like obedience, stepping out in what God has said to do. When I don't feel like it, when I don't think I can do it, that builds up muscle. It looks like being yielded to Jesus' might in our weakness. That when I feel weak, when I know I'm weak, that I say, but that, that's not where I'm going to put the period. I'm going to rely on the Lord's strength. That builds up muscle. Recognizing that Jesus is my power source, that he takes my weakness. He takes my wounds, my failures, my shortcomings, and he makes me strong in spite of those things because of what he has done. So it's all again about, Ephesians is all about who we are in him because of what he's done. So our relationship with Jesus is where we get our strength. Our strength is not in ourselves. It comes from our relationship with Jesus. And so this, this uh, section of Ephesians 6 gives us this wonderful picture of a warrior. And I love it when scripture gives us an image to, to be descriptive about what God is wanting to do in us. And, and this warrior has armor on. And I want to say it's important that we know that this armor is not to keep people away. That is not the purpose of armor. You know, when scripture says guard your heart, it doesn't mean keep people out. Armor, spiritually speaking, is not to keep people away, but it's so that we can stand. And ultimately, as we're going to see in verse 15, when it talks about our feet, it's so that we can go. That's why we need armor. So verse 12 of Ephesians 6 says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's important that we know we are not fighting people. Let's deal with that in our heads right now. Because I think it's, even though we know that, it's easy to slip into seeing people as the one we're fighting against, even spiritually. But we're not fighting people. In our prayers, we don't even need to pray against people. It's not about that. Um, you know, we need to strip that thinking out of our minds. Our, our boss is not my enemy. My mother-in-law is not my enemy. <laughs> my spouse, when he upsets me, is not my enemy. The coworker who's trying to undermine you and mistreat you is not your enemy. They might be being used by the enemy, but they are not your enemy. The person gossiping about you is not your enemy. The political party that you don't agree with is not your enemy. We need to recognize people are not our enemy. Our, but it, what, what is our enemy? It says our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We have a real enemy. There is a real enemy with spiritual force at work in the earth. And it's not because of anything we've done that makes him our enemy, but it's because we are the prized creation of God. And he hates God, and he hates everything that God does, and he hates the fact that God created us in love, and so he is against every human to try to destroy the work of God and the purpose of God in our lives. That is why we have an enemy. And as we grow as believers and step more into our calling, sometimes we alert the enemy because we're a threat. So we have an enemy because of those things. And this is why we need to be strong. We don't need to be afraid of the enemy. Jesus said, in Mark 5:36, he said, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. 
And I think so much of spiritual warfare is about that. It's about believing. Our belief is what faith is, and that is what is powerful. And just, just a, a simple sort of like simple, simple overview of what spiritual warfare is, because I know there's all kinds of ideas that can be kind of crazy and scary, but biblically, what scripture teaches us is that at the, at the creation, that God gave authority to Adam and Eve when he created them. But Satan came in and deceived Adam and Eve, and they sinned. And because of that sin, that sin has given Satan authority in the earth. But Jesus came as the second Adam, and he overturned that. He upset that. He turned it on its head. He took that authority from Satan. He took it back. And when we believe in Jesus, he gives that authority to us. But when it's, it's all based on our belief in him. And so the way that God's victory is enforced in the earth is not by God just deciding what happens here and there and maybe waving a magic wand on the earth. His victory is enforced in the earth as we, his followers, enforce that victory in the earth. We bring the kingdom of God. How do we do that? Every time we believe, we are bringing the kingdom of God. Every time we pray, we are bringing the kingdom of God into the earth. Every time we worship, like we worshiped this morning, that's one of the reasons it's so important to worship. It brings our, our thoughts and our lives into the agreement of what God has said. And we're declaring it in the earth. Every time we obey God, we are bringing his kingdom into the earth. Every time we love, every time we go, we are enforcing the kingdom of God and overturning that darkness. And I'll just give you an example of how this works in our lives. As I said, Satan only has authority where there's sin. That is his open door. And so in your family, there might be sin, or and I, don't, I don't necessarily mean like you, or it could be just in your larger family. It could be things that have happened through the years, or even in the city that we live in, in Detroit, you know, each area, each city kind of has its own unique history of sin, right? Like in Detroit, it's um, things like the breakdown of family, homelessness, addiction, poverty, violence. These things open the door to darkness in a city. But when we, as individuals, give our lives to Jesus, he wants to bring his authority through us to overturn those places of darkness. And it happens in the hearts of people. You know, there's not darkness out in that field out there. No, darkness resides in the hearts of people because of sin. And light resides in the hearts of people when we believe on Jesus. That's how it works. That's just a simple, simple thing. So we don't have to be subject to those things in our lives. Even if they've been in our family for generations, those things can be overturned as we believe on Jesus. And those things can be overturned in a city, even though there's poverty and homelessness and addiction, those things can be overturned as hearts believe on Jesus and light comes into those situations. You know, and I think so often people say that thing like, you know, how can there be a God? How can there be a loving God and bad things happen? You know, I personally don't really struggle with that because for me it's really simple. That there is evil. That it, that's just there. It just exists. That's what has authority in the world. Our good God is the one who comes and delivers us from that. We have the opportunity to be freed from it. Bad things are going to happen because we live in a fallen world, 
People are going to die. People are not going to be healed from diseases. That's, we live in a fallen world, but there's an opportunity to see some of those things undone because of how good he is. And the more we wake up to that, you know, I, I see it as like this veil of the spiritual realm. Like we are pushing into the realm of the kingdom of God. The more we believe, the more we pray, the more we intercede, the more we worship, the more our eyes are opened to who Jesus is and who he is in us. It's like we're pushing holes and in, in punching holes into that realm for more of the light of the kingdom of God to come into those places. And maybe you pray for somebody and they're not healed, or maybe you trust God for a situation and it's not overturned. Don't give up. We are pushing into the kingdom of God. Scripture says um, the violent take the kingdom of God by force. It is as we keep pushing into it that we will see more and more victories and more of the kingdom of God come. So that's just like a very basic understanding of what what is happening in the spirit realm. It's simple. It's so simple. You know, I can be flooded by a sense of depression coming against me, and as I simply choose to believe what God says, it brings his kingdom and it breaks that authority because of his victory, and he lives inside of us. His victory is inside of us. So, you know, the first, just to give you a personal example, the first few years that we lived in Detroit, as a family, we started to experience some things that we never had experienced before in our lives. Uh, we started having some severe um, financial difficulties, just strange things that were happening. We started to experience some depression. Um, and, you know, we even doubted, are we supposed to be here? What is going on? Like some weird things. And we had a friend visiting from South Africa. She's a, a prophetic a preacher, um, someone who's recognized by the NCMI team that we partner with. She's a prophetic gift, operates as a prophet, and teaches from the Word of God. And we just had some personal time with her in our home, and we shared some of these with things with her over dinner one night, you know, just some of the struggles we were going through. And she told us while she was here, she said, I really believe she felt that she was discerning by the Spirit. She said, sometimes when you come in to a region— to bring the kingdom of God, as our family was, to bring the light of God, to bring the light of Jesus, the spiritual forces that exist in that region will try to come against you to see if they can stop you. They will try to come against you to see if they can find a place to settle in your life. But she said, as you stand in the victory that Jesus has given you, and as you fight, and as you overcome you are going to have victory to where when you encounter people in the city who deal with depression, who deal with fi financial problems and poverty, you're going to not be afraid of those things because you will have dealt with them face-to-face, one-on-one, and you'll be like, I know who you are, not to the people, but to those spiritual things, and they won't be intimidating to the work of God in this region. And that might sound weird to some of you. It sounds weird to me, to be honest with you, but it's real. It, that's been our experience, that as we have stood and not allowed those things to stop us from the plan of God, we have gained a victory in Jesus to turn over those things, that now there's a faith in our hearts that when we have the opportunity to help people who might be dealing with depression or poverty, that we have a, a courage in our hearts because we know Jesus has overcome those things. Does that make sense? And I want to say in your life, whatever your struggle is, as you gain victory over that thing, you are going to be such an encouragement to people around you to know that that darkness does not have to win in your life. Jesus can bring his victory into those places. 
So be wise to the environments that you're in. Don't be afraid, but be wise. If there's things that you see that operate in your family, know for what it is. Know it for what it is. You don't have to be, you don't have to bow your knee to that. There's a victory in you. You don't have to be weird about it. You don't even have to talk about it with your family. But you don't have to, you don't have to submit to those things. You don't have to come over it. You can live above it. You can discern it and you can have victory over it. And you can stay free from it. Even if everybody's crazy around you, you can stay free of that crazy. And you can operate in love and freedom and victory. And you can bring the kingdom of God into those places. And we're going to look at how as we look at this armor. And in verse 13, we're told to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. That word in the Greek, as you know, these letters were written in the Greek language. That word stand means to establish a thing, to uphold or sustain the authority of something. So we're, we're upholding the authority of what Jesus has done when we stand. And then it says, I love this, then it says, after you have done everything to stand, stand. I love that. I love it when scripture says something twice. And scholars say when scripture says something twice, you should take note of it because there's like a double emphasis there. And I think as believers, too often, we are too easily stopped. We're like, I tried to stand, but it was too hard. Well, Paul says, when you have done everything to stand, stand. Do not be pulled off of where God has called you to stand because God's given us an armor to be able to to stand. And I want to ask us this morning, have we done everything to stand in a particular area of our life? Maybe the challenge that we're up against, have we done everything to stand? God is for us. We can stand. There is nothing that we cannot stand in. And we stand by putting on his armor. And again, the law of mentioning twice, mentions armor twice. We're told twice in this passage to put it on. In verse 11 and in verse 13, the instruction is put it on. The first piece of armor, we're going to go through the pieces of armor now. The first piece is the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, this belt is not just for fashion. A belt also has a practical purpose, and that is to hold things up, right? If your pants are too loose, you hold it up. A lifting belt for a weightlifter, a lifting belt increases spine and core stability, so the truth is what is going to hold things up in your life, and it's what is going to give you core stability. The belt of truth is not just mental assent to facts. It's receiving the truth, believing the truth, and doing the truth, putting on the truth as a part of your life. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So it's saying here, see to it. This is Colossians 2.8. See to it. In other words, watch out. Be careful that you're not deceived. Mentions philosophy. Philosophy is the study of fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence. There's nothing wrong with philosophy, but don't be taken captive by philosophy that is not Christ-centered. It's em- it's, it says here it's empty and you will be deceived. And how many people have we seen deceived by philosophy when it's not Christ-centered? It also mentions human tradition. That could be things like empty religion. Elemental spirits means natural knowledge. People can become so 
naturally uh, wise or have so much natural knowledge that they are no longer really established in truth, the truth of God's word. It says, this is from the world. It is not from Christ. And I think it's very in fashion. It's very in vogue in our, in our culture to be philosophical and to try to gain power by what we know. Um, it's very fashionable to talk and to have all these conversations about the truth, but are we really putting the truth on? Are we just talking about the truth, or are we making it a part of our, our lives, taking it beyond philosophy and into action, because we're called to do the word? So is your truth belt on just so you can look good to people because you know so much, or is your truth belt on to keep you strong and to keep, you, to keep things in place? I find that when I'm taken captive by the knowledge of the world, the goalposts are constantly moving. Have you found that? Like the, goal, the world wants you to believe this. And so you're like, okay, all right, fine, I'll believe that. And then uh, next year it's, no, you've got to believe this now. And you're like, wait, what? That's not the way it is with the truth of Christ. It's eternal. It doesn't move. You can build your life on it. That's the truth that we put around our waist. So we need to know God's word. We need to know scripture. We need to put it on every day and not just know it up here, but live it. It makes us strong. It makes, me, it makes you stable. And I wrote here, you won't be caught exposed and weak with your pants down. If you know the truth and if you live the truth, you won't be vulnerable. It'll protect you. The next piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. This is so important. We are covered by Jesus' righteousness as believers. Righteousness means good standing with God. So it doesn't matter what I've done or what I haven't done. Because of what Jesus did, I have good standing with God. You have good standing with God. Jesus' righteousness is not our own righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is not me acting good and doing good and being perfect. It's his righteousness that covers me. It protects my heart. Scripture tells us to guard our hearts. And the enemy will come with shots at our heart. He'll come with uh, thoughts and lies of shame. Maybe where we are guilty, he'll come and try to shame us. Sometimes uh, w things will come at our hearts through the words, hurtful words of others that are inspired by the enemy, but they hurt. In Greek and Roman times, the breastplate was a solid piece of metal that was formed into shape. And it would fit over the chest of the soldier, but there was a second piece that fit across the back. I was so excited to read that because I just love how the, the righteousness of God covers us front and back. And that our internal organs are spiritually, are protected front and back. It made me think of, of even like backstabbing, if someone comes to backstab you. And maybe there's even some truth in what they're saying. But the righteousness of Jesus covers you. Even in our failures, he covers us. It's his righteousness. I think we also put on the breastplate of righteousness as we choose to put on righteous behavior. It's called the, the breastplate of righteousness. And part of living a strong, fortified life is choosing to live in righteousness. Choosing to live from your spirit and not from your flesh. Not from your old nature. Choosing to live in unbroken fellowship with Jesus. Because when we sin, it breaks that fellowship. He doesn't leave us, but it, it puts a barrier there. So when I choose to live an unbroken fellowship with Jesus, choosing to live righteously, I've got that armor on. Because we know when you compromise, you're vulnerable. You open yourself up to things. 
So put on that breastplate of righteousness. The next piece of armor is the, the feet, or the, it says to have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. As warriors, we need to have readiness on our feet. We need to be ready. Why? Because we're taking ground. A warrior is going on a mission. We are to move. Isaiah 52, 7 has, says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. So we, our mission is to bring the good news to proclaim salvation, and we need to be ready. Our feet need to be ready to move, ready to share the gospel, ready at every opportunity to shine into that darkness, and it's a necessary part of our gear as a warrior. Then it says to take up the shield of faith. That's the next piece of armor, and it says that with this shield, we can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. I believe we need to have our shield in our hands at all times and not wait. If we put our shield down, if we don't have that faith, if we don't have that belief in our hearts every day, if we put our shield down, we're going to be vulnerable to those flaming arrows, it says. What is faith? Faith is simply belief, believing what God has said instead of the lies. So when lies come at us, it could be all kinds of, all kinds of things that are untruths, but just to give you a couple examples, you might have a lie come into your mind. You're a failure. But the shield says, God's word says that whatever I do prospers. You might have a lie that comes into your mind or t- that comes toward you that God will not fulfill his promises. Is God really trustworthy? But the shield says that God's word says that all the promises of God are yes and amen. And it says that the shield doesn't just divert the arrows that come at us, but they're flaming arrows. You know what that is? It's like they would dip the tip of the arrow in a, in a flammable substance, and they would light the arrow so that it was actually on fire as it would come maybe to cause a, a building to catch on fire or to cause the uniform of another soldier to catch on fire. So these, they're like double dangerous. They're coming at you, and the shield doesn't just divert it. It puts out the fire. It extinguishes. It takes all the power out of the lie. That's what God's truth does. When we, when we know the truth, when we believe, the faith is believing. So when I believe what God says, that's a shield. And it doesn't just cause the arrow to go over there. It puts out the lie. It says that is not true. This is the truth. So we need the shield of faith. Then it says take the helmet of salvation. The helmet covers the head. The helmet covers the mind. Um, And in the Greek, it's called the helmet of salvation. And in the Greek, the word for salvation is soterion. One of the meanings of it is deliverance from the harassment of enemies. And how many of us sometimes deal with harassment in our minds? You lay awake in bed at night, and there's thoughts that just churn harassment. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? That person doesn't like me. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with this situation? Harassment. Maybe it's during the day. Maybe there's situations that you're walking through where there's actual words being said that are harassing you in your mind. Things that you're hearing. Situations that are harassing you. 
Second Timothy 1, 7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And our salvation includes this protective helmet that is over our minds. Another meaning of the word salvation in the Greek is health, wellness, and wholeness. And that includes mental health. We can have a sound mind. A lot of that soundness of mind is a choice that we make what we're going to dwell on what we're going to allow our minds to think on. Philippians 4.8 says, um, it says that we should allow our minds to fix on good things. That's what Philippians 4.8 says. It says, fix your mind on what is true, noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. So we don't need to let our thoughts run away with us. We need to put on that helmet of salvation and think on the things that God has said. Sometimes, if I've had a really difficult time with thoughts, there was, there was a time, I was probably like 2017, 2018, maybe 2019, I was struggling in my mind with certain thoughts of fear. And I literally took post-it notes, and I wrote truths from Scripture about what God said about that situation, and I put it on my mirror where I would get ready in the morning, I put it in my car, I put it on my bedside table, because I knew I'm just struggling with these thoughts. And I literally put post-it notes so that when I would struggle with that thought, I had the opposite. I had that helmet of salvation over my mind to protect my mind. And I know that some people, you know, some of you even might be struggling with significant mental health issues. And, you know, there are, there are moments that we need therapists, counselors, doctors. Um, and thank God for those. God will use those in our lives. But I just want to declare to us today the good news that, we, that salvation is ours. And salvation includes soundness of mind. That is ours. Salvation is mental health and wellness. That is part of what God has for us. The next bit of armor is the sword of the Spirit. And it says, which is the word of God? Revelation 1.16 tells us about Jesus, that he's coming on a white horse, and it says that coming out of his mouth is a sharp, double-edged sword. Or that's not when he's on the horse, is it? That's just in the revelation that John had of Jesus. The revelation that John saw of Jesus was that part of what he saw of Jesus. Remember, he has eyes of fire, and it's a beautiful image of this fierce and wonderful Jesus full of love, but one of the things he saw was that out of his mouth was coming a double-edged sword. And that's so interesting that it wasn't a sword on his side and a sheath. It wasn't a sword even in his hand. It was coming out of his mouth. And that's because the sword is the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the communication of God, and he has given to us his word. He's given us his word, and our sword as our armor is not something we hold in our hand. Our sword comes out of our mouth. Our sword is our words. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. It penetrates all the way through something, and it says that it divides between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. So the word of God comes and it exposes the reality of things. When we're confused and we start to speak what God's word says, it shows us the reality. 
it divides things in our lives. I love that it says that it divides between soul and spirit because a lot of times we think we're right about something and it might even seem good in our soul, but it's, it's not what the Spirit of God has. And the Word of God will divide between those things and help us to live from the place of our spirits. We use the Word of God to discern. And other than arguably the shoes, the sho- you could say that the, the shoes on the feet are defensive because you're going, but other than the, the shoes, the sword is the only offensive part of the ar- army of God, the armor of God, the only offensive weapon. So it helps us to discern what's coming from my spirit, what's coming from the spirit of God, what's coming from the enemy, the word of God. And that's one of the reasons it is so important to be in the word of God. When I, when I say be in it, I mean like read it, <laughs> like meditate on it, to know it, to get it inside of us. And it is amazing in those moments of need when you can't discern, when you're confused, how the word comes up in your heart. The Holy Spirit will bring the word of God to you and you know this is the way I should go or you know how to use your sword to cut through that situation um, or that thing that's coming against you. When Jesus was in the wilderness, tempted by the devil, you guys know that story, and the devil came and tempted him and tried to get him to do all these things and he overcame by speaking the word. So when the devil comes against us, Whatever the situation is, our sword, our weapon, is the Word of God. And if you don't know the Word of God in a moment like that, grab a friend and say, give me something from the Word of God. I'm serious. I'll do that with Paul sometimes. Like, I am struggling. Help me. And he'll speak the Word of God into that situation for me. And I'll agree with the Word of God, and I will begin to speak the Word of God into that situation for me. But the Word of God is our weapon. So take your sword, use it, and wield it by speaking. Speak to your enemy, speak to your soul. It says that it discerns between soul and spirit. Speak to your soul and say, I'm not, I'm not doing this, I'm not going that way, I'm choosing the spirit. You use your sword for those moments. And then in verse 18 of Ephesians 6, wrapping it up, it says, And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So now that we've got our spiritual armor on, we need to remember that we are a spirit being, that this is a spiritual war. Our spirit, our our armor is by the spirit. It's not even by human effort. It's a spirit thing. And so the way we fight is by the spirit. It's not even by the flesh, if that makes sense. It's not even like that I know all these scriptures and I'm just going to quote these scriptures. If our spirits aren't involved, if it's not coming from a place of, of faith, if it's not by the Spirit of God, it's not going to do anything. Our spirits need to be engaged. Our spirits are engaged by faith. Our spirits are engaged as we're filled with the Spirit of God and His presence. And I want to encourage you, because of what this says in verse 18, give attention to your spiritual life. Develop your spiritual life so that you can fight by the Spirit. Don't rely only on your natural strength. And I don't just mean your muscles. Don't rely on your natural knowledge. Don't rely on your natural ability only. I mean, those are all wonderful things, and God will use those things, absolutely. When we yield those things to him, he uses them. But don't rely on those things. Know that your strength comes from the Spirit of God. 
And if you're weak in a particular area spiritually, give attention to it. Sow into that area of your life. Become strong spiritually. Be continually filled with the Spirit. Scripture teaches us to be filled and be filled again and be filled again. We're filled with the Spirit when we're in the presence of God. When we come into corporate worship, that's how we're filled with the Spirit. And uh, pray in the Spirit. Develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Rely on Him. Because our battle is in the Spirit. Much of our battle is done in and through prayer. Much of our battling. And people can be strong in wearing armor, but never go into battle because we don't pray. I heard somebody say, we often don't pray because we're leaning too much on our own abilities. We know the truth, but we're not even taking the time to pray because we think we can handle it. Even if I think I can handle it, I need to pray. I need to trust in the Lord. I need to engage the Holy Spirit in my life because it's a spirit battle. It's a spirit thing. He says, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. All the Lord's people. So we're not just praying for ourselves and our lives. We do. But we can also go to battle for one another. That when we know the struggles of one another, as Paul says here, keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We can fight in prayer. We can fight with acts of service. We can fight by coming around one another and encouraging one another and showing each other how to fight, showing each other how to believe. We can, we can pray for ourselves and go to battle. We can pray for one another and go to battle together as the church. So we end our study of the book of Ephesians. So I think Paul's just going to tie a bow around it for us as we close. <laughs>